Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. We're glad to have you back uh, on Labor Day afternoon. We hope you got to have the holiday that the day was intended for. I know not everybody gets to actually have a day off on uh, Monday. We do as students. Um, didn't have any kind of classes or anything today. Uh, you know, if you work at any kind of government job, I'm sure you got to enjoy some time at home. Or if you know, if you grew up like me, my house, we always did yard work on Labor Day, <laughs> which was I would almost rather be at school. <laughs> Uh, let's see. But uh hope that is what you got to do. Um, we'd like again like to welcome y'all back to the Hell State Shockwave. I'm your co host, Colton Watson. I'm your other co host, Gavin Lagazina. And uh if you're not enjoying the sound quality extremely uh like like you know, our sound quality leaves little to be desired when it's at its best. I'm gonna be completely honest. We're working on it. But uh the Software that we use to record these episodes is still down, so we're using our backup kind of thing. We're I've searched, scoured the internet looking for ways to uh, improve on our sound quality, and it's just not coming up all empty so far. So we're just have to do it the way we, we're doing it. Hopefully, our old stuff will be fixed um, before our next episode. But you just bear with us, hang with us. If you can, hopefully, you can still understand what we're saying, and uh, won't be too back big of a problem. Like to remind you, you know, we're affiliated with Wave Sports. Uh, find us on Instagram on all kinds of uh, pages and accounts. You've got uh, the Wave.tv, which is the main account. You've got Highlights Wave on Instagram. Just shows you cool videos of awesome things happening in sports, you know. they got pages for almost every professional team in the United States and most, most of the college teams. Um, some individual players have their own page uh, that's run by fans of those players. Give them, give them, a, give them a look. Give them a, a, a follow if you get the chance. Uh, it'll be, it won't be something that you'll, you'll regret. It's all good content, uh, posted by creators like me. Yep. Yes, we're gonna go jump right into the episode. You got anything else you need to say before we start? Nope, I'm good. Let's go. So we got by, uh, University of Louisiana. Um, it could have been better. Yeah, Could have been a lot definitely. better. Could have been a lot worse. Um, the first thing I'd like to report today is some some news. Some I guess we would call it breaking news. Keaton is officially back with the team. We have I've heard since about thirty that he'd probably that wouldn't make any much sense for him to enter the transfer portal. And here's the thing, guys: the quarterback battle was decided too late for him to enroll in a school this semester. If he's going to enroll in a school this semester, which he wasn't going to be able to do, he still probably wouldn't get, get to play football because he, you know, he'd miss most of practice. So are you really going to try to bring in a new quarterback, you know, pretty much midseason? Eh, maybe not. If he ends in the transfer portal, A, once you put your name in the transfer portal, this is how it works, um, the school is no longer on the hook for your scholarship. Now, if you withdraw your name from the transfer portal, they are back on the hook for your scholarship. But as soon as he put his name in the transfer portal, he was paying paying for all of his stuff himself if he stayed in school. Um, he did not with uh, withdraw from classes, but he did put his name in the portal, which means he would have been paying for those classes himself. So now, you know, the school's got a scholarship. My guess is he's going to redshirt this year, still playing his four game. But the biggest thing is if he couldn't, why enter the portal to not play football and not be on scholarship for? six months and then transfer next and then actually enroll in another school next January 
and also fall behind on your degree plan if you're, you know, whatever he's studying in school. Now all he's done is made it to where he, we do have to give him the scholarship, which is fine. He can practice football at least practice, maybe not play, but play four, maybe play four games, maybe play more than games. Maybe he only uh, wants a year left after uh, transfers, but um, he can at least stay in school, stay in classes, stay on scholarship, all those good things and then be on track with his degree while still getting paid to go to school and practicing football and getting better at football before he transfers in January. That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, I um, agree. Now, if he redshirts if he red shirts this year and then he's got serious eligibility and says, hey, I want to play two years at Mississippi State, that could happen too. That depends on if he thinks he'll beat out um, Garrett Schrader or Jalen Maiden. We'll see what happens there. Um, I don't know if Jalen Maiden will be here after this December either. But we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, but Keaton made the best decision, and really the the about the only decision he could make. Um, you know, he puts his name in the transfer portal in a big rush, and then you you kind of realize, well, you know, it's already August. Can't really, you know, <laughs> doesn't really work at work like well, that. That's probably but, kind of a frustration type of deal where he's trying to make a statement. Well, I mean, like he he probably ought to leave. If we're being honest, for him, better for him, and he's thinking, okay, I got to get out of here. But if you, it's just not the kind of thing like you just got to think it through. Well, shit, I need to stay here and at least be on the team. You know, yeah. kind of sucks. KT didn't get to travel to New Orleans and play um, in his hometown, or at least be on the sidelines in his hometown. Oh, he won't get to do that as a, as a Mississippi State Bulldog, um, unfortunately for him. Uh, that that was his one. So it kind of is sad that he did that. The only game he'll miss this year, and as a, at least as a as a as a member of the team, will be the one in his hometown. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I hate know. that for him. We probably didn't get enough separation on Saturday for him to get game minutes, though. So. Yeah, no, probably probably not unless they did the packages and stuff. Which I mean, yeah. when it was thirty-five to fourteen, you might have would have put him in. I don't know. Not probably not, but either way, Quarter probably would like to be there. Um, yeah. Some other news, some injury updates. The one you're probably all worried about, they said nothing about it on the broadcast, but they showed Kylan Hill in what was basically garbage time. Not really, but sort of. They showed Kylan limping off the field. Um, Kylan's fine. Kylan practiced yeah. yesterday. Uh, I actually saw Kylan last night. He's fine. I actually saw Kylan Saturday night and last night. He's fine. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, me and Skip reached out to him on Saturday afternoon. And he said he's 100% fine. So, yeah, nice. just a just a bump. Um, he'll be good. We need do need to keep some wear and tear off of him. Nick Gibson only had two carries. Um, Nick Gibson can get as many carries as he as the uh, elite. He could get five or ten, five to ten carries a game, I think. Um, which would help help out Kylan, but also you know, you know, give different looks. Um, can you hear me, Gavin? Yeah, I can hear you. I keep hearing myself. In my and it repeats what I say like it echoes through your phone. Uh, we're doing our best, guys. Anyway, um, another interesting update as far as news goes: Kareem Walker is trying his. They're they they the enrollment date. This is this is all coming from last week. The the last date enrolling classes was last Wednesday. All right. Now exceptions can be made, and they can. It's not illegal or anything to just force somebody into a class. I actually had to be forced into a class this semester. Uh, but Kareem Walker is here in Starkville, and as of Tuesday, he was not enrolled in classes yet, but he was here. 
he made it to Starkville. He couldn't be practicing. He can't be practicing until you're enrolled in classes. But we thought that, that it, it, all June and July were like, he's going to make it, he's going to make it, he's going to make it. First week of August, he's going to make it. Middle of August, we're like, crap, he's not going to make it. He's not going to get here. He actually does complete his uh, qualifications at the junior college in Kansas. He is in Starkville. Um, don't be surprised if he is uh, enrolled in classes. You hear that he's practicing within the next couple weeks. Um, and he, but he still might not. You know, there might be some kind of crazy thing going on, and they don't let him enroll in class this semester, which would be difficult for us. He cannot redshirt. But uh, he would have only a year left if he didn't play this year. But if he gets to practice, let him – you know, probably would be three or four weeks of practice before – he starts getting reps in a game, but that would also save some of Kylan's legs. He's a big back, a great short yardage back, uh, big big muscular guy, you know, pound it on third and one or something like that. He's uh, – that that would be uh, something to keep an eye on for the future if you're uh, just thinking about what the roster is going to look like. You know, right now a true freshman is our third running back. That's Lee Witherspoon. So he didn't see the field yesterday. They're probably want, still going to preserve his red shirt if I, if I had to guess. Yeah, I would assume so too. All right. Um, I don't have any updates on the injured offensive lineman, but um, that's a good news. If I had if I had an update for you, it would if it was anything really severe, we would probably have um, we would know about it. So nobody's yeah. uh, torn, nobody's blown their knee out. None of those um, problems. We'll get more into that later as you go on down the show. Gavin, I'm, I've got we got it all written down here. Just run down some of these team stats. And I'll quantify this by saying it ended up being very, very even, yeah. the team versus team stats. We dominated in all of these statistics, you know, for the entire game until the last two drives when um, I think the, the last drive, there's no, we kind of took our, our last drive on defense. We took, I think we took our foot off the gas. And there's no excuse for that. But the, the, the second, I'm going to say it's last drive, excuse me. On their last drive, we're just kind of that – you know, they let them get all the yards and just run the clock out, and then it just happens to be that uh, happens that way. That's yeah. not a big deal. But they they evened out a lot of these stats. But for the most part, we were we were way ahead um, until about halfway through the fourth quarter. But read now how the, how the game went. You know, from the from a numbers standpoint, Gavin. All right. So first down, state led twenty nine to twenty seven. Uh, time of possession, state led thirty minutes and thirty seven seconds to 29 minutes and 23 seconds. Third down percentage, we were both we we tied at 4 out of 9 attempts. Um, you know, we had 236 passing yards, 261 rushing yards, 6 and a half yards per rushing attempt. Kylan had 27 carries for 197 yards and Tommy was 20 for 30 for 236 yards. Yeah, um, so there's, you know, I love the balanced offense. If we're going to draw the positives from these stats, yeah, we that's that's how this offense works. You you open up the box. You should say you keep them from putting eight or nine guys or close to line scrimmage with the the vertical passing game, which we showed in the very first drive. Tommy Stevens uh, floated a beautiful ball uh, to Gidry on the about the fourth or fifth play of the game for a touchdown. And once that happens. When you got a running back like Kylan, especially, and a run a, a runner like Tommy at quarterback that can uh, keep people honest on the zone read and stuff like that, then you start opening up things inside for the running game, and they just complement each other. They got to complement each other. You know, it's like uh, we don't. And I love 
I think Mike Leach is a great coach. We don't do the Mike Leach thing. I don't know how he does it. You know, he's <laughs> Mike Leach says, why would you run the ball if you can just pass it everywhere? And somehow they do that. I don't know. <laughs> Gardner Minshew just did it. Yeah, the guy, yeah. the guy they got now is doing it this year too. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, but balance is a key for most teams. Balance is a huge key to a successful offense. And if this, and again. Last year we saw a lot of good offensive things happening in these early games. We thought we're getting all excited. I'm not, and this year, you know, only only 38 points. I'm not getting just thrilled about the points, the point total. I do think we saw a lot more points, if not for the uh, turnovers. The, we had one turnover close to the red zone, and the, the muff punt, that was ridiculous. That should have never happened. Yeah. Um, I don't know why he was anywhere near that ball. That's, I, I'm trying to think of a more boneheaded play by one single player. The only more boneheaded thing in football I can ever think of is remember that fake punt the Colts tried to do against uh, New England that time where they had three guys around the ball yeah. and they tried to do some crazy fake thing and then they were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing I think of that was dumber than this. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, the balance is important. And, you know, last year, like I was saying, we put up a lot of points, but you saw, like, as far as from a completion percentage standpoint and from a, a – true balance standpoint, you know, we, we we would get a lot of points in the early games, but not necessarily look as – it looks fresher. It looks it looks more potent this with, in this game. Still not getting ahead of ourselves and going to say that it's going to be just the best offense ever. But it looks a lot more like the real deal this year than it did last year. You know, last year, KT and uh, Nick, I think, had a less than 50% um, passing uh, – uh, completion percentage in the, after the first two games. We don't have to – Tommy's already at 67%, which, of course, it's one game. You know, things can change. That already looks a little bit better. Um, we actually didn't get a, as many total yards as I would have liked. You know, we'd only, uh, we only had 497 total yards. But that's still that's – a, that's a lot. That's, that actually is a lot of yards, but it's not, you know, the Oklahoma or the Alabama type yards that we were hoping that Joe Moorhead would bring to, would bring to this offense. But it's it's a start. Yeah. So basically, I'm going on this long rambling rant that sounds incoherent because I'm trying to just put into y'all's head that it's a it's great. The offense looks good, but we don't have to get super excited about it. I still am more excited about it this year than I should have been last year. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, I think the offense was the bright spot of the game. We can talk about the defense later, but uh, offensive line. You know, I think offensive line looked pretty good. Um. Suspensions, two suspensions on the offensive line, three injuries, one of them really late on the offensive line. They gave up, did give up two sacks, but when we we uh, get over six and a half yards per carry um, from the, from all running backs and quarterbacks uh, in the game, that includes a, a couple tackles for loss with the sacks. That you know, and if if not for the suspension and the injuries keeping them kind of really thin at some of the depth, the depth wise. I think offensive yeah. line is still going to be a strength of the team. Yeah, and I also I watched Tommy Stevens' interview after the game, and he took the blame for both of the sacks because that first one was a strip sack that came on the corner blitz, and Tommy said that that was on him. He should have moved protection, and because he he said that uh, he just felt like Louisiana did a really good job of hiding that corner blitz, so he didn't move the protection in order to stop it. So he took that the blame on that one. It was. I, I saw that too, and I, he's he's absolutely right. He should have moved the protection. The dude was staring at him. Yeah. The dude was absolutely was staring at him in the face before the snap. I went back and yeah. watched that. 
The uh, the second sack, though, was whenever you could tell Tommy was trying to get out of the pocket and he just got hung up and kind of just freaked out, you could tell, and he started running all over the place, but he didn't go anywhere. And he yeah. Was basically sitting still in the pocket while he's trying to get out. So the, uh, I think the O-line did a great job of protecting him. I think they did, too. You know, the, the play-by-play guys, they said on that strip sack, oh, Tommy Stevens holding on the ball too long here. No, the guy got there in half a second. He didn't hold yeah. on the ball too long. He he missed the protection, but there was there was he had no chance. He's on his blind side. Uh, there was no, you know, you just got to change change the protection, get the running back over there to chip that guy or something. Yeah. Um, shift the tight end to the other side. I don't know. I don't, you know, I I don't know the the play calls or how they how they go about changing the protections, but they got to do something. But if you notice, especially in the third quarter, there were some really, really long, clean pockets for Tommy, too. There were some yeah. times when it was just wide open. And, again, the biggest thing for this unit that Coach Deke Adams says is, is they need to develop, co- develop cohesion. I think when they get more cohesive, the way that he likes to put it, you know, they're moving a lot of guys around. You know, uh, Tommy Chapman, for example, plays like four out of all four positions other than center, you know, or every position other than center. He's just always bouncing around. He might he some games he'll end up with the most snaps. Tyree Phillips uh, played two, played a couple snaps um, outside of tackle where he's normally at. And with all the injuries and suspensions, you're going to be mixing and matching guys. But if they just get into a great rhythm as a team, as a group, uh, it's going to be a strength of our team, especially with the way that we uh, carry the ball and the way that Thomas Stevens looks like he's throwing the ball. Yeah. Um, receivers looked good yesterday, or excuse me, day before yesterday. I like what I saw from the receivers. Uh, the only, my only, the only receiver that I would want more from is Gidry, and that was just because of the a few routes that he ran. His hands looked good. Yeah, his, he he had a really graceful sideline catch. That was Stephen Gidry's always been just this this smooth athlete. Has yeah. always been this kind of uh, really athletic, lean kind of graceful action about him, and I saw that yesterday uh, Saturday. I think they look really good. Zuber, I think Zuber's best play got, got brought back on a hole, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a beautiful catch. I don't even know how he brought it down. That was a great catch. Uh, Didrick Thomas looked good. Um, Osiris Mitchell, of course, looked good. Austin Williams may had a few good plays uh, according to the touchdown. Yeah, that throw to Austin to the touchdown. I don't that know throw to Austin Williams, that was a great catch. But also, yeah. he threw the fade to a small receiver. With That cornerback was bigger than him. <laughs> Yeah. And he still put that right where nobody could get it except Williams. That was a great yeah. throw. Yeah, that um, was, he couldn't have thrown that ball better. It's I don't and on first down I don't mind it. On special first down after a turnover, but I'm not the hugest fan of just you've got one receiver on one on run run on DB just throw it and don't don't check don't you know they'll get up to the line of scrimmage and they'll call a play. I thought if you watched the uh, the playoffs uh, NFL playoffs last year with uh, Dak Prescott throwing to Michael Gallup. Um, with uh against the Seahawks, they went two in a row. They threw just fades, about twelve twelve yards fades to the right side. Just said go up and get it. And Zach made a perfect throw on the second one. But I'm not a huge fan of just staring down one receiver, forcing it, and just saying make it make let rely on the receiver to make a play, rely on the quarterback to make a play. I kind of like to just scheme it out and actually run a play with progressions or with options or something like that. But it worked out. I can't complain. I don't mind it so much on first down anyway. Uh. I hate I hate throwing that corner fade on third down, and as as in like you know he's either going to catch it or he's not. Throw up a fifty fifty ball and hope your guy gets it. Yeah. That's not 
you know, I'd like to run, you know, run something that you're more confident. I mean, maybe they're confident in it. I don't know. Anything can happen. The receiver could fall down and trip. The, you know, there's no room for improvisation. But it worked on that in that instance. Um, defensively, that's where most of the concerns are. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree. Not even really. I w- I would honestly focus all of my concerns on the D line depth and our tackling. Everything else yeah. seemed fine to me. Tackling was bad. Pass defense was pretty good. Now, they're not a, a deep passing team. Cam Dancer did give up one about 15 or 20-yard pass there at the end that I was surprised that he would give up. Yeah, he I gave up the, three catches. I looked up, and I was like, man, his grade just went down 40 points on that one play, uh, yeah. even with the, even with the interception, which I still have not seen. I still haven't seen that interception. My TV a, glitched out right when he got the pick. I missed it, guys. I, ESPN I didn't Cam give us a video of it. story the other day. I've seen the Mississippi State version of with their uh, Hale State Productions film from the sidelines, but not the TV camera angle. Yeah, he just made he just kind of dropped back and made a a great jump on it. That's yeah, really the quarterback good. never saw him. Lewis never saw him. Um, speaking of Lewis, that dude's athlete. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah, tackling needs to get better. And I think and I and I would let's be optimistic. Maybe Coach Shoop wasn't like did like we were saying wasn't given a lot wasn't showing a lot on film, but they their scheme was almost perfect for our defense. They might have exposed us a little bit on defense. They, I'm worried about it. Um, again, if Coach Shoot's kind of hiding what he likes to uh, what he likes to do here, I'm not very. Uh, th- then I might be a little bit more comfortable with what with what happened. But the the running plays and the short pass, they, they, it seemed like six or eight times they'd swing a pass out to the to one side of the field or the other where there was nobody there and they'd go get 12 or 15 yards before somebody got to the football just because of their alignment. You know, they, they'd have us on their alignment, and they know exactly how to attack it. Um, you know, if you go back and look at all the three of those running backs, none of those running backs killed us by themselves. Um, the the Raggets, he had a good yards per carry, but he only had about eight or nine carries. But it was still enough of, enough rushing yards that they got after contact to make me really concerned about the interior defensive line, like you said. Um, that tackling, long story short, defensive line depth is the D tackle depth, like you said, is going to be bad, and that tackling's got to get better. Like I don't understand that. Yeah, I saw I even saw Errol Thompson miss a few tackles, and that was whenever I was like, oh my goodness. A lot of Something. tackles. A lot of teams didn't tackle well this weekend, or uh, if you watch the Miami Florida game, there was some terrible tackling there. But we can't be one of those teams. Um, there's that. That's not us. Uh. Getting 28 points put on us by a Sunbelt team is, is a little bit concerning. Now, the defense did force a lot of turnovers. Now, some of those turnovers were unforced. The one where the running back hits the dude's arm as he's flying back, that was ridic- that was should never happen. But that's an unforced turnover. But, you know, we did get a couple interceptions. One of them late at the end of the game on a Hail Mary. But uh, we did get a couple interceptions and a couple real forced fumbles that were critical to the game, of course. Uh, we don't win without five turnovers. I'm going to be honest, guys. If they don't turn the ball over, they probably would have beat us. Um, now, we we probably would have beat them. If neither team turned the ball over, we would have won, but that's neither here nor there either. Uh, I think did they score off of both of our, They scored off of one of our turnovers um, off the yeah. punt. The muff yeah, punt. they scored off the punt. They tied but it up. They went 99 yards after one of our uh, after one of our punts. Yeah, that was, that was the worst series for the defense, and I they seem kind of gassed on that possession, which is weird because the possession before that, they did really – you know, 
the possession before that, they did really well. And the one before that was the three and out on the one-yard line that resulted in us getting a touchdown after the great punt return by Malik Deer, who is one of my favorite players in the team. Love Malik Deer. But the two, like like I said, the two the two possessions before the 99-yard drive were great for the defense, and then all of a sudden they just kind of looked gassed. Again, I, there's there's some a lot of concerns that, on the defensive side of the ball that we're going to have to clean up. Um, LSU's offense looks good. Alabama's offense is going to be Alabama's offense. Texas A&M's offense is pretty is pretty all right. I'm not worried about Arkansas. I mean, it's, this might surprise some people, but Ole Miss's offense looked terrible. Uh, so maybe that'll be good. But a lot of these teams we play have some high-level, potent offenses, and we're going to have to shore up, you know, we get back to our identity as a school, as a football program on defense. Um, some overall notes, like I said, mistakes. We're going to talk about all these mistakes. If we There's two mistakes. We can cut out four or five mistakes, and it would be a, a, an absolute wrong. But really, we cut out the muff punt and the, uh, the muff hunt and one more turnover maybe, and – all of a sudden, we're winning this game by we're we're covering. We got we're winning by twenty eight or so. Yeah. But the only thing that's concerning about that is that they made some mistakes too that could have swung the game their way. So there is sloppy play. A lot of teams this weekend play sloppy. The biggest thing that I would want people to get from this episode is that we're not going to draw too many conclusions from this game. I think the biggest concern like we were talking about the tackling earlier if we can't tackle Lafayette we can't tackle Alabama that's going to have to get better like and I think it will but it's going to have to and that's that's not a fake concern they're not going to go out there and all of a sudden tackle people harder when it's a more important game that's not that's not how football works but we watched the number one team the future number one team in the country barely beat UAB and have 500 yards of offense put up by them uh this has happened before. You, you know, we've watched three dominant games where the defense was absolutely lights out uh, last year. And then, you know, the only I think the only touchdown scored against us, uh, we had one touchdown that really counted. The only other touchdown wouldn't have happened if not for a, a BS turnover that was just out of nowhere against Kansas State last year. And then yeah, Kentucky please. goes and scores 28 on us. Yeah. I'm um, pretty sure Benny Snell had one-third of the touchdowns our team gave up last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, he had He had four. And that was that made me so mad. He is not that good. Yeah. The uh we really we really hurt ourselves last year in that game. And but what I mean to say is we could have never predicted that based on the three games before. Again, I'm not making a lot of predictions about what each individual game means for future games until we get to conference play. I've been saying that all all week long. All right. Yeah. One thing that is going to get better, um, kicking it, Jace Christman is not one of the suspended guys for the Tudor Gate. He will be back next week. I think he's suspended for a DUI he got this summer, which is still not still embarrassing and still a terrible thing for anybody to uh, have to have to happen to them. Um, that should never happen, and he, he we expect better from our football players. But very glad that he's only suspended for the one game. Glad that it didn't come back to hurt us. If he had missed that second kick, and when it got backed up after for the uh, five yards, I was very nervous about it. Mm-hmm. If he had missed that second kick, we might not be uh, so relieved this afternoon because yeah. they were ready. They came out guns blazing even when they were down 10, no matter if they were down 7. Um, other than that, there's not, you know, it wasn't a, the game that we that we hoped for, but here's the thing, guys. If we had won 63-3, to, 63 to three, it would have told us about just as much. 
because last year we we did something like that and and we we weren't the team that we thought we were. So like I said, you can't draw a ton of conclusions from it. One thing I did notice is a trend this weekend. I'm just going to list off the teams that played that lost or played within one score or so or just you know struggled against group of five or FCS teams. There's a long list. In week zero, Hawaii beat Arizona by seven. Cincinnati beat UCLA by 10. Um, That was at Cincinnati's. UCLA is really struggling, though, so I almost understand that. Uh, UAB, that's a group of five team. They only beat FCS school Alabama State by five at home. Minnesota barely escapes the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. That's an FCS team. Uh, They beat them 28-21 at home. Let's see. Keep going down the list. Michigan State, they beat, beat Tulsa by three touchdowns but struggled early. Um, Rutgers got down two touchdowns to UMass, which is an independent group of five-ish team. They're kind of, you know, their own thing. Uh, they ended up winning pretty big, but they were down early. Wake Forest barely escapes Utah State at Wake Forest. They won 38-35. Nevada came back from down 17-31 to upset Purdue 34-31. Um, even Alabama didn't score for the first three positions. They ended up killing uh, Duke, but it looks kind of, kind of, kind of concerning there for a second. You know, a couple, <laughs> a couple of my Bama friends were in panic mode, and I was like, "Y'all are fine." Um, yeah. Kentucky ended up beating Toledo by two touchdowns at home, but they were tied at halftime and two touchdowns. You know, not very much. South Carolina lost to a team that won two games last year in North Carolina. That's still an ACC team, but of course, Tennessee lost to Georgia State. Arkansas barely beat. Uh, Portland State. They beat them 20 to 13 at home. Portland State is an FCS team and not a good FCS team. Wyoming beat Missouri 37 31 in Columbia. I heard that some people say that game was in Wyoming. I was, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> Iowa State ranked. Iowa State uh, barely beat Northern Iowa. They won by three in overtime. They won in triple overtime. They won 29 26 in triple overtime as a ranked team. Northern Iowa is is an FCS team. Guys. Um, Nebraska, Nebraska's offense was actually outscored by South Alabama's offense. They won by two touchdowns. They won 35-21, but, uh, South Carolina, I mean, excuse me, Nebraska had, um, defensive and special teams touchdowns in that game. So it was just scoring offenses, uh, South Alabama won. That was also in Nebraska. Indiana beat Ball State by 10. Boise State beat, uh, Florida State in Tallahassee. Florida State gave up an 18-point lead in that game. Kansas, uh, less the mighty, the fighting less Mileses, uh, uh, barely get, escaped Indiana State by a touchdown. Of course, praise the Lord to go dogs. Memphis beats Ole Miss, fifteen to ten. James Madison, an FCS school. A lot of people picked James Madison to beat West Virginia. West Virginia escaped by a touchdown. They're going to have West Virginia is going to have one of the biggest downswings of all in college football history from this year to last year. They just lost everybody and their coach, and their coach got out of there, went to a group of five school in Houston because he knew what was going to happen. <laughs> he knew yeah. it wasn't going to be looking good uh, this year. Um, yeah, they lost Will Greer and everything. Just so they, it, it went. Let's see. Cal beat UC Davis by two touchdowns. UC Davis is an FCS school. Um, Keep going down the list. Michigan got down early to Middle Tennessee. They ended up winning 40-21 to 21, uh, in the big house, but that could have – it didn't uh, look – like a very clean win if you're the Wolverines. Um, and finally, Fresno State. Now, USC's quarterback, uh, 
shoot, JT Daniels, I don't remember his name. JT Daniels went down. Uh, he tore his ACL in the first quarter of that game. So this is a little bit uh, misleading. But Fresno State is not is not a powerhouse football program by any stretch of the imagination out in the Mountain West. And uh, the, at USC in the Coliseum, um, Fresno State lost by one score. They lost 31 to 23. So, got just just showing y'all just that was over a team from every single conference, either lost or won or only won by one score or less to a group of five or FCS team. Let that sink in. Somebody from every single conference. Okay. Another thing sink in. Guess which team has the most power five wins this season? Which conference? Guess which conference has the most power five wins this season, Gavin? Um, I'm going to say the, the ACC. No, it would be the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed. West has the most Power Five wins this season. After week week zero and week one, they got a win in week zero, uh, and a win in week and a. Oh, I say they beat Missouri, Arizona. I'm trying to think, I think that's it. Anyway, they uh, that does not mean that Mississippi State struggles are not something that we need to be concerned about, and is not something that we need to clean up. But a lot of teams week one were struggling. Missouri was picked by some to be the uh, the dark horse candidate in the East, and they got beat by Wyoming. Imagine if imagine Missouri runs the table in the East. Okay, after be, be, that would be crazy. <laughs> Missouri gets ends up ends up ten and two or something. They beat Georgia, and maybe lose a game to like Florida, Kentucky, or something. And then all of a sudden they win the East. They're ten and two. They they lost to Wyoming. Um, and Kelly, and that's not Kelly Bryant did back because he did really good. Yeah, Kelly Bryant threw for over four hundred. Oh, yeah, he was hooping. So, just showing you, you know, of course, Tennessee lost, Arkansas, Ole Miss lost, Arkansas should have lost. There is – or not should have lost, Arkansas barely won. They were in control of the game. But there is a lot of turmoil in college football this weekend that didn't have to uh, didn't have to go the way that it did. You know, didn't go the way that you would expect it, I guess is the best way to put it. Now, like I said, doesn't mean that we shouldn't be concerned – but if all these teams are struggling, you know, a lot of teams got something to figure out. That means when we're playing other these schools, all these other teams, they'll be trying to figure stuff out. I named three of those teams that I named that I uh, were struggling with uh, lesser teams or teams are on our schedule: Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Arkansas. You know, those are there. These, you know, evaluation period is still not over. That's what I'm trying to say. We will we will have a lot to figure out about this team, and we will we'll get to learn more about them this weekend against Southern Miss. Next weekend against uh, Kansas State, once once we get through the Kentucky game, then I'll be starting to make some serious cr- judgments about our football program. Gavin, what else yeah. you got? Um, nothing really. Just like Colton said, I wouldn't. You can't make any big predictions or judgments off of this past weekend. We gotta we gotta at least get to SEC play before we see what our team's actually gonna be like this year. That's right, and and it, and that's for better or for worse. Because last year. And I, I, I and I wrote it. I predicted eleven and one after three games last year against Kansas State, <laughs> Kansas State, TMF Austin, and Louisiana Lafayette. Both those uh, two of those at home. I predicted eleven and one season. That's me getting ahead of myself. Okay, <laughs> I'm not going to get ahead of myself this year. I'm making it a rule. I will not predict. Well, of course, I'm, I still predicted the win season, uh, the how many wins I think I'm going to get. But I'm not going to start making big judgments about this year's team from based on evidence until we get to a conference game. 
All right. Yeah. All right. Until next time, guys, best of luck to whatever you're doing. Enjoy your life. Have, have a great Labor Day. Hope you had a good long weekend. And as always, praise the Lord and go dogs and hell state. Hell state. Yeah.